Hallelujah. Greetings to you all in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You are listening to Revelation Bible Study number 38 from the Last Days Ministry here at WGM Church. Before we begin with today's Bible study, let us begin with the words from Psalm 91. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will save the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress. My God and Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with His feathers, and under His wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee, to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Remembering the words of the Lord, may today's study be a blessing to each and every one of the audience that readeth, and they that hear the words of Revelation, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. We started chapter 19 last week, and it's the second coming of Christ in chapter 19 on earth, following the marriage feast of the Lamb. Beyond chapter 20, we see the unfolding of the millennial kingdom where the Lord comes for judgment to earth as he sits on the throne of David to rule. Last episode, we took a quick look at the words about the second coming in the Old Testament before getting into chapter 19. We will continue the remaining part and go into the main text. Most of the Old Testament prophecies contain words about the second coming of Jesus Christ, his reign, and eternity. Therefore, if you do not open your eyes, you will only know the prophecies of the Old Testament to be meaningless past history. However, most of the words in this Old Testament are related to second coming of the Lord and the arrival of his kingdom. That is why Jesus taught his disciples to pray like this, according to Matthew chapter 6.10, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Christ being King of kings and Lord of lords is worthy to rule the kingdom by himself. Before beginning with Revelation 19, I'd like for you to take note and look up what the Old Testament said about the second coming and the Lord's reign of the millennium. Isaiah chapter 2 verse 1 through 5 speaks of the earthly millennial kingdom when the Lord comes to Jerusalem to reign. Everything in Isaiah chapter 4 is a prophecy of the second coming and the restoration of Israel. 
The entirety of Isaiah chapter 11, verse by verse, deals with the second coming of Jesus Christ. You've all heard of the words where wolves and lambs lie together, lions eat straw, and children put their hands in den of vipers, but they are not harmed. We can also see the passage of the second coming in Isaiah chapter 13, verse 1 through 8, and in chapter 14, verse 12 through 19, which tells us about Lucifer, the son of the morning, in relation to the second coming of Christ. The destruction of Satan is revealed. Also regarding the second coming of Christ, Isaiah chapter 21 verse 11 through 14 says to come out of the land of Mount Seir, Duma, which is Edom. All the verses in Isaiah chapter 24 are about the events during the tribulation. Isaiah chapter 34 verse 1 and 2 are the prophecies of the battle of Armageddon found in the book of Revelation. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 1 through 11 is about the second coming of Christ. This was already applied to John the Baptist at the Lord's first coming, but it will happen at the second coming as well. Continue reading to Isaiah chapters 52, 54, 60, 61, and 62. It's all about the second coming of Jesus Christ. Also, half of chapter 64, all of chapter 65, and half of chapter 66 of Isaiah are about the second coming. Pretty amazing, isn't it? Please take time to read your Bible again. Also, the prophet Jeremiah spoke of the day of the second coming and of that time. He was the only person in the Bible not told not to marry. Chapters 50 and 51 of Jeremiah deal with the second coming of Jesus Christ, and the entire book of Lamentations is the scene of the tribulation. The time of Jacob's trouble. It is a prophecy about the suffering the Israelites will face, and all the contents of Ezekiel chapter 1 are about Christ's second coming in a dish-shaped chariot appearing from the north. Most of Daniel chapter 2 deals with the second coming of Jesus Christ. When the stone cut without hands struck the image, the giant statue that Daniel saw in his vision, it shattered into pieces and flew away like dust, and that stone became a great mountain. That very stone is Jesus Christ, the rock, as Daniel said, he would judge all the nations on earth. Everything in Daniel chapter 7 indirectly talks about the second coming, including most of chapter 9. Hosea chapter 5, verse 15, chapter 6, 4 is all a scene of Lord's second coming. Exodus 19, verse 5, Psalm 135, verse 4, and so on. There are more than 500 verses that speak of the second coming of Christ. There are about 300 verses about the first coming. More prophecy about the second coming than the first. All of Joel chapter 2. Everything in Micah chapter 4 is about the second coming. Entire Zechariah chapter 14 is about the second coming as well. Prophecy about how there will be one king that day. Hundreds of kingdoms will be destroyed, and only one king, Jesus Christ, will become the king himself. Also Matthew 24, Mark chapter 13, which the Lord spoke about, are about the second coming. In addition, Luke chapter 17 and 21 
and about half of John chapter 14 are about the second coming. And 21 chapters of Revelation are also related to the second coming of Jesus Christ. So simply put, if we exclude the second coming of Christ, the prayers after being born again and all the sacraments of the church are incidental to the second coming. But the main topic is the second coming. That's why the Lord said, After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Matthew 6, verse 9 and 10. To become one in Christ. The Lord's Prayer is not a closer that is trivialized by memorizing it for the end of church meetings without knowing its true meaning. The prayer that the Lord has taught is tremendous. This is what God's will is all about. If you truly know the meaning of this prayer, you don't really need any other prayers. We must remember that if we seek only His kingdom, all these things will be added unto us. First, we have learned what will happen during the second coming of Jesus Christ and during the millennium. How the Jews will be restored. How the Antichrist will appear and eventually be removed and how the Roman Catholic Church, Babylon the Great, will come to an end. We need to know all these things. That is why all church sacraments and church programs that do not know this are meaningless. We only need to know about Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul said in Colossians, Everything in the Old Testament are a shadow of things to come, but the body is Christ. Prophecy is all about Jesus Christ. We must know that all that remain is the beautiful work of God coming, ruling, judging, taking us to New Jerusalem, and living with us as his bride for eternity. God is only interested in his begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible show various other works, but the main subject is Jesus Christ. We must emphasize the person of Jesus Christ and the ministry that he wants. It is his personage more than his teachings or commandments. We love him as a person. We are not enforcing a theology with some doctrine. Continuing with Revelation 19 verse 1 and 2, And after these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power, Unto the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments, for he hath judged the great whore, which did corrupt the earth with her fornication, and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. Alleluia is a Hebrew word, its combination of two words, Alleluia. In English, it means praise the Lord, praise the Lord Jehovah. When the Lord appeared to Paul and rebuked him in Acts chapter 26, verse 14, Paul said he heard a voice speaking unto him and saying in a Hebrew tongue. He heard God speaking to him in Hebrew language. Seeing this testimony, we can see how precious the Hebrew language is. Revelation 19, verse 3, And again they said, Alleluia! And her smoke rose up forever and ever. God did all the work. Glory and honor and power belong to God. Salvation also belongs to our God. He is judging here. 
The voice of Alleluia is being heard now because the spiritually corrupted harlot, the great city, is being judged. Truly countless people in heaven, those who have suffered on earth. Alleluia on that day will spread throughout heaven and earth. Her smoke rose up forever and ever, and verse 3 can be compared with Revelation 14 verse 11. These two verses prove that the Roman Catholic Church is involved with Satan, the Antichrist. And they have no rest, day or night, who worship the beast and his image, and whosoever received the mark of his name. Revelation 14 verse 11. We must remember that all who have received a mark will eternally suffer in the lake of fire. We need to be careful of very chip and biochip that have been available to the public. You shouldn't receive those things. And lately with injectable technology and implants, this is the best means for the Antichrist to appear and do his bidding so far. If he gets to manipulate the DNA, we must know in advance that anyone who receives the mark will worship the Antichrist like a mindless robot through his manipulation, whether they like it or not. Apostle Peter said, But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober, and watch unto prayer. 1 Peter 4 verse 7 Wake up and see how the world is unfolding before your eyes. Revelation 19 verse 4 And the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshipped God that sat on the throne, saying, Amen, Alleluia. This scene is also the third heaven. It is the heavenly throne. The exact scene that John saw when he went up um, appears in Revelation chapter 4, verse 1 through 5. Revelation 19, verse 5 says, And a voice came out of the throne, saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great, our God. Israel is dealt as a nation when it comes to salvation. The chosen people get to call God as our Father in heaven. Those of us born again in the New Testament era who has received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior can call God as our Father individually. However, since the Old Testament typically deals with Israel as a nation, they call him our Father, our God. Notice in verse 5, all ye his servants. This expression refers to wait until the number of fellow servants in Revelation chapter 6 verses 11 are full. The Lord gave white robes to the beheaded souls as he spoke. They are the martyrs. And in chapter 11, verse 18, the prophets, saints, and those who fear the Lord. These are true servants who only follow Christ. I don't know how many of such servants exist today. Revelation 19, verse 6 says, And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thunderings, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God, Omnipotent reigneth. Omnipotent, almighty. God who has absolute power. God is not only omnipotent, but also omniscient. He knows everything. He examines even the insides of people. 
he searches the heart. Can't hide anything from him. People can't understand a person, but God knows everything. Omnipresent. David said, If I ascend up to heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. In Psalm 139, verse 8. The omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent God is the triune God. Holy, holy, holy. He is worthy to be praised three times. He is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Here to praise, God reigns. Satan's end is at hand, and the Lord will rule. Clearly a scene in which Christ's dominion of this world is fully taken over at a certain point in time. Possibly sometime before the end of the latter three and a half years of the tribulation. Revelation 19 verse 7 through 9. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. For the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And he saith unto me, Write, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. Here we see the marriage ceremony of the Lamb being performed. Guests are invited. Luke chapter 22, verse 16 through 30, we learn that after the wedding, the banquet will be served on earth at the second coming. Please read Luke 22, verse 16 through 30. This means the judgment seat of Christ will be ending towards the end of the tribulation. And the reason is from Revelation 19, verse 7, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come and his wife hath made herself ready. The bride of Christ is ready to be married. In order to be ready, she must be a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. The Apostle Paul spoke through the Holy Spirit in Ephesians 5 verse 27 that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having a spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. You must appear as a chaste bride. This shows cleansing work will be done at the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ is where saved Christians will stand. You will be judged for what you have done. The great white throne judgment is the final judgment by casting unbelievers into the lake of fire. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 10-16 through 16 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 10 and 11 Romans 14 verse 10 through 12 tells us regarding the judgment seat of Christ In particular 1 Corinthians 3 verse 10 through 16 shows the works saints do after being saved is to building a house Houses can be built with gold silver precious jewels wood hay and stubble Things that won't burn, and things that will burn. Anything that has to do with the Lord will not burn up. Unburnable gold is the Lord's divinity. Those who serve the Lord 
only the Lord with the utmost principle. Silver is the word. As in Psalm 12, 6, the words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. People who preach the gospel with the word of God to save those people, win over souls, and nurture them with the word. Israelites or Christians are unique, precious stones in the eyes of God. Sinners washed by the blood of Jesus Christ and anointed with the Holy Spirit become sparkling, precious jewels when they are filled with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, where Christians will live in the future, the future home of the bride, will be built upon foundation of twelve precious stones, with gates of pearl, um, roads paved of pure gold, and walls made of jasper, all made of fine jewels. You will see what the judgment seat of Christ looks like when you read the rest of Second Corinthians and Romans. The preceding passage tells us that the church is the bride of Christ and that she is a part of Christ's body, just as Eve was part of Adam's body. Therefore, the church is the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, considering the members of the church as one. We know for sure that when the brides of Christ are raptured, when the Lord comes to the air, they will be judged at the judgment seat of Christ. Also, the works done on earth will be purified by being burned with fire, making them clean without spot, blemish, or wrinkle. Then the bride will be married to Jesus Christ. So, while there is tribulation on earth, raptured Christians in heaven are judged at the judgment seat of Christ. All the filthy things are burned, washed, and cleansed away, and towards the end of the tribulation, just before the Lord makes His descent onto earth, we get to marry Christ. Thus the meaning of, let us be glad and rejoice, and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready, as in Revelation 19 verse 7. How would you feel if Christians ascended to heaven in their current condition today? Pretty filthy, I'd imagine. What needs to be done, refined, and burned, must be burned and purified, right? Anointing oil should be poured. Wouldn't you agree? You'll have to dress up as pure and chaste bride. Therefore, we must prepare for this while living on earth. As a chaste virgin, she is currently betrothed to the Lord as the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 11 verse 1 through 3. If she did anything else, she'd be a harlot, an adulterous woman. So James chapter 4 verse 4 warns us, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Revelation 19 verse 8, And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. The fine linen is the clothing of the saints. This is individual's own righteousness. However, when we were saved through the blood of Jesus Christ, we received the forgiveness of sins and were completely saved through God's righteousness. We received His righteousness as a free gift. 
This is found in Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. However, after we are saved, we must build up our righteousness. We must accumulate good works. The passage here says that all Christians should build up their righteousness after they are saved. And the word clearly indicates that all Christians should be careful about how they live after receiving salvation. For their righteousness is the linen they wear to the wedding ceremony. Just as a bride takes her bath and wears a veil, Christians must now wear a veil with their own righteousness while living on earth. This is an indication that some Christians will appear naked. Revelation 16 verse 15 shows Christians appearing naked. With a prayerful heart, please check Revelation 3 verses 17 and 18 for reference. These are the saints of Laodicea. These are the words given to the church saints of Laodicea, the church age where you and I currently live. Allow me to read and show that Revelation 3, verse 17 and 18, what it's about. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eyeself, that thou mayest see. Now is the time to obey this word today. Churches that boast of material wealth and those who think that material blessings are the measure of faith are mistaken in the current church age of Laodicea. You have to resemble the Lord's character. The bride of the Lord can have the same personality as Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we must realize the shame of our nakedness today and cover it with fine linen, righteousness. Apostle John said, And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. 1 John 2.28 This context is what will happen exactly at the time of the rapture, and it is shown in 1 John 3.1-4. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. 1 John 3.2 also in Philippians 3, verse 21, Who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working, whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Therefore the bride will be purified at the judgment seat of Christ, becoming spotless and without blemish. And crowns will be given as rewards for Christians' works. Also, any wrongdoings, self-works, will be burned up. This wedding ceremony is described in detail in Psalm 45. We'll continue to look at the words about the fine linen of the bride next time, as they are really important. Since the fine linen is what we must prepare, we will continue to study this word. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you live a godly life in the Lord, build up God's righteousness, 
wear fine linen, be a pure bride, and greet the Lord with joy without being naked. Amen.